Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Metrosite Metricast. This is episode 24, and I'm excited to have with us today Mike Frain, who is CEO of Voss Digital Workplace Management. Um, before we get into uh, the, the Q&A, just a, a quick overview, we're, we're going to talk about how the world of unified communications and collaboration is continuing to evolve as companies increase their migration to the cloud. They need to support the, the needs of the hybrid workplace. And they're most importantly, they're looking at optimizing operational expenses during challenging economic times. So I look forward, Mike, to, to getting your insight and your opinion. And let's go ahead and, and open up the, the discussion with just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Voss. Thank you, and it's good to be here. I appreciate you making it, making it available to us. So my, my background is I've been at Voss for about 10 years as the CEO. Prior to that, I ran a UK public company in the billing space, so OSS space. So pretty much most of my career I've been involved in some form or other with communications and telecommunications. And tell us a little bit about Voss. What, what kinds of problems are, are you solving for your customers? So we, so though we talk about ourselves as a digital experience management company, we highly focused on UC and collaboration. So we, we know that area well, deep expertise in that space. Um, uh, we, we have three different product capes, capabilities, three solutions. One is a migration tool, another one's an automation tool, and the third one is our monitoring and, and analytics tool. So we just talk quickly about the automation one as an example. Um, literally in the set of repeatable manual tasks that can be automated, we can create capabilities, workflows to do that with. So we spend a lot of time and we use our insights tool to do that to try and figure out what people are actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And we take those use cases and create automation workflows around them. And it's, it's quite, the benefits are quite obvious if you think about it because it's, it's like having a production line as opposed to doing it another way. By simply automating those tasks, they get done quicker, there's, so there's cost savings by definition in, in that, but they also get done more accurately. So you're doing them things at scale, at pace, and more accurately. So you get cost savings, as well as obviously better success at the end of the day. So it's quite a simple value proposition at a very high level. Yeah. Um, if you look at the monitoring tool, the, the, that that value proposition is obviously. You know, we all know what monitoring tools do. They, they collect a lot of data and present it and, and dashboards and stuff. But the key to everything is kind of resolution of problems, not knowing about them. So essentially, everyone's trying to get their mean time to, to resolution down to as close to zero as they can. So obviously, knowing the UC space well and understanding what people are using, it just makes there's so much data out there. So just knowing what to collect and what to aggregate and what to correlate in terms of what's actually useful as opposed to just an overload of data is, is quite good for us. But of course, the other real interesting thing is, you know, once you know what the problem is, trying to figure out where the source of that problem is, is the key. I mean, knowing there's something wrong is kind of like, well, whatever, you've got to get down to what's actually wrong. So you've got to be able to pull everything together, aggregate it up, but you've got to be able to dive down really quickly and really efficiently to find out what the problem is. So I think that deep knowledge of the space and the telco space and the UC space helps us do that effectively. Other quite interesting thing is if you think about that automation tool, it, it essentially gives us the ability to find problems and use the provisioning capabilities to sort, sort of auto-correct it. So we, we talk about that as self-healing. So it again, it just gets back to applying more automation, some AI in there to just try and solve people's problems quicker and more cost-effectively and efficiently. And that's really the sort of fundamental kind of thesis of what we do in VAST today. 
Excellent. So you mentioned that the need to drill down when, when there is an issue and, and, undercover, and, and uncover the root cause. Um, you know, and typically the, the way the markets worked, at least in the in the UC monitoring space, is the, the, the UC monitoring tools have been effective at, at finding problems or identifying problems with things like call quality, video quality. But then you always had a separate network tool that you had to go and look into to, to find out what's going on if there's a, an underlying network issue. So about a year ago, you acquired a, a company called Layer X. Can you talk a little bit about how Layer X technologies fix, fits into that, that Voss portfolio and, and addresses that need for uh, holistic network and UC management? Sure. So I think that um, we... We, we got introduced to Lyrex, interestingly, by some of our customers. So people like Telstra and Vodafone were using our Voss Automate platform and had already acquired the Lyrex um, capabilities. And they, they themselves saw that, well, you know, if we could combine those two capabilities, you can get another layer of automation on top of that. So that's the, and that's the self-healing stuff I talked about. But the other interesting thing is if you know what's going on in the network, having the consumption of which users are doing what and what those users' profiles are. So if you know there's something wrong on the network and in some weird location where everybody is on six months of holiday versus that network component is in the head office and the CEO is connected to it. So we can enrich that data by all the usage data as well and, and all the user data and all the user profiles that we've got on the provisioning side. So just augmenting that data gives you another kind of capability that you, you wouldn't have well, with, if, if any of those two solutions were kind of on their own. Um, we, we, we actually land up partnering with, with Cisco, I mean, with um, Lyrex in the Cisco space because we, we when we started unbundling our relationships um, from Cisco into direct relationships with the, the MSPs, um, Cisco were also kind of end of life in some of their, their, their assurance capabilities. So, so it was just a market opportunity as well. So there was a kind of a combination of a market opportunity as well as obviously the ability to put those tools together into a single kind of stronger platform than either of those could be on their own. Excellent. Yeah, I'd love to find that place where you mentioned six months of holiday. That sounds uh, interesting. Yes. Well, maybe it's all so, those meta employees that are getting a lot of holiday now. So I wanted to uh, dig a little bit more deeply into the value proposition. We've been, uh, as a research company, studying the, the use of unified communication, digital transformation, or digital workplace management tools now for a number of years. And we often find that when companies are adopting a, a UC platform, they go in thinking, you know, I'm going to get everything I need from my provider. Uh, you know, maybe I'll move into a cloud provider and, and they'll give me the management tools I need. And then usually at some point down the, the road, they, they realize there's gaps. Um, they may need to, to support a multi-vendor environment. Um, what are you typically seeing drive organizations to, to look at a solution like yours uh, as, as opposed to, you know, again, just relying on the, the management capabilities that come with whatever UC platform they're implementing? Yep. So in some ways, it's like the hierarchy, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, there's some very basic needs that people have in the beginning. And, you know, they, they've got some interoperational capabilities, the different, you know, um, simplicity, et cetera, access to the multiple tools from the single vendor. So at a, at a very high level, if your requirements are quite basic, then clearly what the, the vendors provide makes a ton of sense. It's almost like once people have satisfied that capability, they start dropping down and saying, okay, now that we understand some of the benefits that you can get from these tools, what about this and what about that? 
So, I, I, you know, the, the, the value prop is very, it's just like a, an onion with lots of layers to it. So at a very high level, it's got simple MACD stuff that you want to do. But it, as you go deeper, the problems get more complex. So as you, as you said, people have got hybrid cloud on-prem. They've got different vendors. They've got overlapping tools. It's not just different vendors, but they've got Zoom and they've got Teams and they've got Hangouts and they've got Slack. And they've just got lots of different stuff at the moment. So, so you know, if your environment's quite simple and your needs are quite simple, then obviously relatively simple tools work for you. So I think it's a, it's a sometimes people don't even know what actually their, 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 their problems are. They've got to solve some basic things before they get down to the next level. So I think it's a very kind of hierarchical thing, and, and it's a maturity thing as well. In the beginning, people are kind of happy with something, and they started using it for a while, then they realize, hang on a sec, there's more to life than, than just this. And, and I think that the other problem, you know, we... When you, this value prop thing is quite difficult um, because, again, it's, it, I, I think it's a slight pyramid. If it, fairly simple organizations tend to have simpler problems, but the big guys tend to have complex environments. They have complex they, – they tend to set up their UC stack in order to solve some, some different problems. So if you maybe look at someone like high education kind of customers, they, they've got specific problems around cyclical onboarding, offboarding, mass student notifications, et cetera. And if you look at someone like a retail guy, they might have a problem where they need to stand up new stores very quickly in a complete cookie cutter model. So just want something that takes a specific set of configs and gets it done quickly and efficiently. Um, so so what, 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 it's almost like you find that the value prop is very different. And the key, I think, is kind of solving those very basic problems and then kind of understanding what people are trying to do and where they're trying to go and what their business problems are. Because the whole benefit of UC isn't just enabling comms. It's actually, can you make the organization more effective and efficient and help them solve their business problems? So it's kind of for us as well, it's, it's a layered thing. We get involved with companies. We tend to solve one or two use cases. And, you know, if I'm completely honest, they're sometimes so different that there's almost, you can't say, hey, this is the value prop because that value prop doesn't mean anything to the other guy. He's got some other problem. He doesn't care about that value prop. So it tends to move around a bit. So it's really hard to, it's not really commoditized. It tends to be quite unique, particularly for the very big guys. Um, so kind of a long, complicated answer to, I guess, a complicated problem. No, and, and, but that's really where the value of a, of a solution like yours comes in is that, you have very unique cases where maybe the the, the one size fits all tool set that's available from a provider isn't necessarily sufficient. Yeah, I think it's that as well as people's needs change. Urban, you know, they 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 you know they start off with it's a little bit like you know you solve one problem and then there's always another one and another one. So, I think the key to really being successful at, at, at providing management tools is you've got to be agile. You've got to, the tools got to be highly configurable. It's got to adapt because the environments our customers are in, the technologies they're using and consuming, they keep changing. So you, you you've got to be able to move with that quickly. And I think that's just fundamental. Architecturally, you've got to be able to, to evolve quickly and, and be relevant to potentially what their problem is going to be tomorrow as well. Excellent. So um, I want to dig in a little bit. You mentioned the, the use of AI. Um, how do you see AI, and, and we've heard the term now, AI ops, uh, impacting the way that organizations are managing networks and, and communication services? So I, mean, I, sure, I think there's a ton of potential there is the simple answer. I think the combination of AI and machine learning means that, again, if you take 
go back to the what we said earlier, which is we're really automating things that people do manually. So if we can start using machine learning to track what those things are that get done repeatedly, um, and you can start building rules and creating rules around those things, you, you can essentially start correcting problems quicker. You can also start using AI, get into more predictive analysis, because that's the holy grail. You don't want to, if you can, at the moment we all kind of, we got we report problems after they happened and we like scratch our heads and say, how do we, you know, got to fix that. Then the second one is in flat stuff. If we can fix a call quality during a call, that's a lot better. It's even better if we can fix it before it happens. So, you know, everyone's moving that 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 capability to to be as proactive as possible. So the more you can learn about what goes wrong under what circumstances, et cetera, and just so much data to process, and that's where AI and, and ML become super, super interesting because they, they can just churn through all that stuff, come up with things that help you become more proactive in the way you manage things. So if you, you know, so, so I think there's, there's an enormous amount of kind of efficiency and, and capabilities can be driven out using those technologies effectively and efficiently. Excellent. And then definitely an area where we see continued investment and acceleration and development of the technology. I mean, uh, uh, recently watching the, the development of, of AI. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, no, you, if you, you're quite right. The sort of underlying AI tools just keep moving in leaps and bounds. And obviously, that's great for us because we can just consume some of those things and use them. So, it's fabulous. Excellent. So uh, I want to ask a, about a, a recent announcement you had with Microsoft, and, and we've obviously seen Microsoft Teams gaining tremendous market share over the last year. You announced something called a Partner Pivot Program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yep. Sure. So I think Microsoft's interest in VOS is kind of across a number of layers. So you know, if you people talk a lot about the Teams growth, but the the next phase for Microsoft is they want people to use voice as well as just Teams. So they want you kind of there's only about 20% of the team's users that are really using voice. So that's a big drive for them to get people to consume voice on, on for, from Microsoft as well. And obviously, we've got quite a lot of experience in, in, in that space. So that's that's the one sort of area that kind of made some sense for us to, to have discussions. The second is because of our track record of delivering these UCAS platforms, there's about 4 million seats that are kind of out there in the market on, on what Cisco branded HS. And, and that, that that platform's been end of life. So all of those end users are considering their future and where they want to go to, et cetera. So the, again, you know, Microsoft obviously desperately wants them all to go to Teams. Um, and, and because we know those, those, those partners and because we know those end customers, but not just do we know them, we, we know what's configured, what they're using, what they're not using, and all that data about what, what's been set up and how it all works. And then the third component is we've obviously got these migration tools so we can help move from one platform to another in, in a kind of a very effective and efficient way. So it's those three things that bundled together got Microsoft talking to us. And so the, the plan is we, we're helping essentially our, our service provider partners to, in quotes, pivot from where they are now to, to a kind of a broader environment where they can deliver Microsoft to the existing end customers. Because if they if those end customers are going to move somewhere else, that obviously doesn't work well for the service providers and obviously doesn't necessarily work for us and doesn't necessarily work so well for Microsoft because they could go anywhere. So giving the, the, our service provider partners that platform that they can 
have a hybrid capability initially, so they can have some old legacy stuff plus some team stuff. So they can augment and gradually transfer people to where they want to be. Just means they've got a better customer retention capability as well. And obviously it works well for Cisco, I mean for, for, for Microsoft and clearly it, it, it's, it's a good thing for us as well. So we, we came up with this kind of plan called, which we call Pivot to essentially help those guys pivot from their sort of legacy approach to, to their UCAS offerings to a, a more kind of modern and, and up-to-date one. Fun. So as we wind down, I want to ask you to put on, you know, look in your crystal ball as you're thinking about 2023. What do you, what do you, how do you see the market around workplace and digital transformation, digital communications evolving? Um, what, what are you doing in terms of, say, the concerns about the, the global economy? You know, sort of what's top of mind and what do you, what do you see happening over the next year? So clearly uh, we, we see it in our business all the time is people are much more conservative about spending money. So everybody is looking at what the ROI is, what the value prop around everything is in, in, in a ton more depth and they tend to be yet another committee that you have to run those things through. So, so there's definitely pressure from everybody to make sure they're buying the right things at the right price. So obviously by definition, our automation stuff is very price cost-saving centric in, in its capabilities. So we're just doubling down on things like the self-healing and the AI stuff to make it even more, more automation, deeper levels of automation to obviously increase the cost-saving. But another interesting dynamic, which I think we kind of sometimes don't think about as carefully, is if we look back a bit to what happened before, then so pre-COVID, the way people would kind of implement a UCE or collab strategy would typically be they'd go talk to all the vendors, you know, Microsoft would push them in one direction, Cisco push them in another direction, et cetera. They probably make a relatively vendor-centric decision where they wanted to go. Then go, they go out to RFP, RFI first, then RFP, then evaluation, and then, you know, a lot of decisions. And, you know, in some time in the future, they, 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 they gradually start transitioning, and that would take potentially years before they move to those new technologies. When everyone started working remotely, people didn't always have the infrastructure to support that. So stuff just started happening. There was no top-down decisions. There was no, let's go evaluate stuff. People just started using Slack or Zoom or whatever they wanted to. So organizations are sitting now with a proliferation of different, sometimes competing, often overlapping things, all that's being put together in a really unmanaged, haphazard way. So, you know, they've got possibly duplicate costs. People have got licenses for five different things and no one knows who's using them and do they need them and whatever. They've got overlaps of cloud consumption, but they've got on-premise consumption as well. So, so there's almost like a, it's created a, a whole lot of mess kind of, you know, and, and given that people are so conscious about costs now, they need to get that under control quickly. So I think that's a crazy interesting opportunity for us to work with people, help them, discovery and kind of monitoring what's there, what's being used, and then configure that environment and set it up to be sort of optimal from a resource consumption, license consumption, et cetera, point of view. So I think people are going to look inward a lot and try and fix up what they've got and try and make that more effective and efficient. And, and obviously, you know, who knows what new cool stuff's going to come out next week. And, 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 and again, so if that new approach to that new architecture is by definition vendor independent, 
then you know people can go best of breed, stop talking about it, and actually start doing it. So something cool comes, they want to plug it in, they want to be able to use it and coordinate it with other things. So I think that's pretty interesting for, for people that are in, in our space that are supporting people being able to put platforms like that together and architectures like that together. Yeah, we're, we're certainly seeing a lot of interest in rationalization, you know, do, do, can we avoid overlapping licenses? But at that same time, users have gotten kind of comfortable using some of these tools and they prefer them and IT may not want to, you know, take things away from people. So, yeah, having that analytics to understand, you know, which tools are people using, how are they using them, uh, yeah. what, what are the potential ROI for, for using the tools, certainly I think will be critical. Absolutely. No, no, you, it's very hard to figure out what to rationalize if you don't know what you got and who's using what. And, yeah. and the reality is it's, it's a little bit like the old fax machine thing. You know, if your customers are what you talk to on Zoom, doesn't you can't have a team strategy. So so I, I, people will have multiple tools. That's just the way it's going to be because, you know, once that's just the way it is. But it's about, as you say, it's about understanding who needs what licenses and, and how that's all going to work rather than let's just give everybody seven of each of these licenses and, and suck up the cost. So definitely think there's some clever ways to, to get some very significant cost savings in place for people. So uh, wrapping up, uh, how can people contact you? How can they learn more about Voss if, if they have additional questions? Yep. So, I mean, obviously the easiest, Voss-solutions.com. Um, we're quite active on things like LinkedIn as well, so people can find us there. There's uh, blogs, et cetera, out there. So that's probably the easiest ways to get, get, get a hold of us. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. That's all the time we have for this week's episode. Please feel free to uh, check back if you enjoyed this episode and, and look at some of our others that are available on our website at metrogy.com or on our Metrogy YouTube channel. You can also find our Metro site on Broken your favorite podcasting application. Yeah. And um, hopefully the, the recording comes out okay. And, and uh, you can also find us on, on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. So, uh, Mike, thank you so much for being here and uh, wish you a happy holiday. Thank you very much, Owen. Yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to catch up again.